Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you hit the grades of your dreams at school, college, and university through the science of fast learning and lasting memory, the psychology of study productivity, and the secrets to great exam technique. And now your host, the Cambridge University trained psychologist who's dedicated his life to helping students study better and outsmart their exams, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome to the Exam Study Expert podcast. Just before we dive into the content of this week's episode, I wanted to share an update which many of you have been asking me about. The good news is my new exam technique book, Outsmart Your Exams, is now live on Amazon and available for just £1 or $1 and through until Sunday the 9th of June. If you've got exams coming up either this year or want to get ahead for next year, why not pick yourself up a copy? I think a lot of people are going to find it very helpful. It's a cracking read in which I'll share my all-time 31 top strategies to get you better grades in your exams by finding ways to do things differently, do things better on exam day and in the exam hall itself. I've been blown away by some of the reviews we've been getting in from readers in the UK and the US, so you might want to check it out. Again, it's Outsmart Your Exams by me, William Wadsworth, available on Amazon for just £1 or $1 through till this Sunday, the 9th of June. On to today's episode. Continuing the theme of exam technique, I've brought together a panel of guests, teachers, professors, tutors, even some students, to share some of their favourite exam-taking strategies. I've added a number of my own techniques as well, including a couple that will be familiar if you have already read Outsmart Your Exams. Add it all up and you're about to hear a set of 14 ingenious ways you can give yourself an edge in the exam hall. So if you're the sort of person who's worked hard and wants to get absolutely the best mark you can on exam day, then listen in because there's some real gold dust coming up in these 14 tips. Here's tip one. If you have a lot of core information to remember for an exam, you might find it helpful to write out a cheat sheet of key information as soon as the exam starts, which you can then refer back to for the rest of the paper. For maths papers, for example, when I was taking them, I practised writing out all the key formulas for that exam on a single piece of A4 paper. It took me about four minutes to get down, I don't know, about 20 formulas. In a physics exam, it might mean scribbling out an electromagnetic spectrum and a few tables with the basic circuit laws in. For language papers, it could be a note of the tenses when they're used and how they're formed. Or for music, it could be key signatures or a keyboard with which to work out your intervals. With your cheat sheet to hand, you might find you're a bit more relaxed for the rest of the paper. You've already got down some of the key facts or formulas, which could relieve some anxiety. And it also frees up your brain from having to do quite so much recalling, which could create some spare capacity for problem solving. Besides, it's sometimes much easier to remember this kind of information as kind of an interrelated chart or table, sets of maths formulas that go together, or tables of grammar. Recalling just one piece of information from that whole table might be quite tricky, and you'll be more prone to making an error. But writing out the full table can sometimes virtually guarantee you've remembered it all accurately. Think once, write it down, and then get it right for the rest of the paper. The key to making this strategy work is to practice it in advance and get used to doing it quickly. So if scribbling out this cheat sheet is taking you longer than, say, five minutes, it's probably too detailed. You'd always want to lay the cheat sheet out in the same way to help trigger your memory of which bits of it go where. 
This next tip comes from my good friend and star cheater, Freddie Tapner, who's got an ingenious tip to take this idea of the cheat sheet further, using the resources in the exam creatively to help trigger your memory of the content of your cheat sheet. This is tip two. Here's one of the things you may not have thought about when it comes to sitting your exam. Every time you take an exam, you always have that front page of the exam sheet in front of you. Now, the great thing is, is that's a very predictable thing. It's always the same layout. It always looks the same. So therefore, why not in your revision and your planning, why not write your notes on the front of another exam sheet so that then when it comes to being in the exam, When you then look at the front of your exam sheet, you can see where your notes were in your old one. It seems um, like quite a silly thing to do, but actually it's incredibly helpful for the brain to link uh, uh, your revision notes to something really visual. And since the front of the exam is always the same, well, why not just make your notes on that? Whether you've written your cheat sheet on the front of the exam like Freddie suggests, or simply done it on a sheet of rough exam paper, it can be a really helpful trick to get your memory working at the start of an exam and get those really key bits of information down. But it's often not practical to use it for more than just an absolutely core set of information for a paper. The rest of the information you'll need to remember, you're just going to have to remember it as you go. But even if you've done your preparation well, digging facts out of your memory when you need them on exam day can sometimes present difficulties. So what should you do if you're having a blank when you're trying to remember a key fact, figure, date or formula? Here's tip three, which is a neat trick for helping your memory recall in the exam. The parts of the brain that store memories are sometimes described as being like networks of interlinked nodes. When you think about a piece of information, you activate the node that represents that piece of information. But not only that, nearby nodes that represent related pieces of information also start to get a little bit excited. Not fully activated, but certainly warmed up. You'll therefore find it easier to recall the fact you need if you have related pieces of information actively recalled in your mind. Let me give you an example. If I mention 1066 to a Brit and then ask them to name a famous historical figure, it's far more likely that they'd say William the Conqueror than if I'd mentioned any other historical date at random. Or for an American example, if I gave you the date July the 4th and then asked you to name a famous historical figure, most of you would probably give me a founding father as your example. So you can use this principle to your advantage in exams. If there's something you're trying to remember, try jotting down a few facts that are related to that thing that you're trying to remember. You're kind of thinking around the fact itself, trying to bring as much supporting and associated information to mind as you can, gradually circling in on the thing you're actually trying to remember. So for example, if it was a historical figure whose name you are trying to remember, for instance. I might think about what I know about that person's activities, their achievements, or any other historical names he or she was associated with. You might be surprised how often this technique triggers the memory of whatever it was you were trying to remember. But if not, don't be afraid to move on and come back to it later. Quite often, ideas come to you as you're working away on other parts of the exam. It's almost as if your brain is ticking away at the problem in the background, even as you're directing your attention towards other questions. One thing that has a massive impact on how well your memory works is having enough sleep. 
So tip four is all about getting enough sleep in exam week. The best tip I've got for you here is make sure that you're stopping work in plenty of time before you want to go to bed. If you close your books and then try to get to sleep straight away, your mind's going to be buzzing with all those facts, figures and formulas and likely keeping you up all night. But if you close your books a good hour or two before bedtime, that just gives you time to unwind and decompress and start to relax before you actually want to go to sleep. There are some scientists who study sleep who think this is so important that they even recommend setting an alarm or notification uh, when it's time to stop working for the day and start your wind down routine before bedtime. Tips five and six, which are coming up now, come from Alex, who's a student and was one of the first readers of Outsmart Your Exams. I'm a mechanical engineer student finishing my second year and having completed almost 100 exams over the last seven years, I realised the importance of being at your peak performance before you sit the exam. I'd like to therefore share two major tips with you. Firstly, it is crucial to take the time to rest before an exam. This means to have at least the time to diversify your attention onto something else, whether it is watching relaxing film going for a run, walk, or even spending time with friends. This has definitely helped me in the past to remove stress, and along with a good night's sleep, it definitely contributes massively to feeling more fresh when taking the exam. Secondly, I've noticed a massive difference when taking a couple of minutes to read through the paper before starting to answer the questions. No matter how time-pressured the exam is, spending 3-4 minutes to completely read through the paper, in my opinion, is a huge investment. It will allow you to think about the questions subconsciously and therefore it will allow you to spend less time in actually answering them. I'm going to add in a quick tip seven of my own, taking what Alex was saying just now a step further. If you've got essays to write in your exam, then get your plans done before you do anything else. Apart from getting this vital job out of the way at the start of the exam, where you're hopefully feeling at your most alert and fresh, it also gives your brain time to work away on those essay questions in the background while you're doing other things, perhaps coming up with an extra fact or a new argument you could drop in to pep up your essay and get an even better score. Tip 8 comes from Professor David Rowland, who you may remember if you've listened to episode number 8, by happy coincidence, which is all about music practice and performance. He's talking here about reducing nerves before a music recital or a concert, but I do know students who use similar tactics for their exams. Sports people would call it visualisation. I've become really struck by how important that is, and this applies not just to play music, I would say. Um, I find it really important to imagine what it's going to be like to be standing yeah. there and speaking you know, I will go up to the lectern and I will just look around the hall and I will imagine what it's going to be like. Or I'll, if I'm playing, I will go and sit in the instrument and try and imagine what it's going to be like. Much better to have the nerves well in advance, to imagine having the nerves, and then you can go on stage confidently. And that does make a huge difference, I think. I'm going to add in a quick tip number nine at this point, which builds on this idea. If you are the sort of person that suffers from nerves in your exams, then possibly the best thing you can do to prepare yourself is actually give yourself opportunity to practice dealing with those nerves and performing nonetheless. 
That means creating opportunities for yourself to take mock tests, where you replicate the conditions you'll be facing on exam day as closely as you can. You'll want to use a real exam paper, the real stationery you'll have in the exam, and ideally find a quiet, studious environment, like a library reading room, to take the test in. Be strict with yourself about timings, just as in the real exam, and don't allow yourself to use any notes. Then, consider finding ways to ramp up the pressure even more in this practice exam. For example, you could get a teacher or a tutor to mark the paper for you and commit to your family and friends in advance that you're going to tell them what mark you got. It's all about just trying to get yourself comfortable with those conditions, those conditions of a bit of pressure, a little bit of stress, and learning how to deal with them and perform well nonetheless. Tip 10 comes from Joachim Cassell and talks about the importance of setting out your calculations clearly in exams like maths or physics. Think about the examiner, right? If you have this horribly messy script of maths that is hopefully saying the right thing, but you know you pass it on to a friend and they're going to have no idea what's going on, that's not ideal. And this is something to really look at when you're practising, when you're doing these past papers. Can you imagine giving this to a friend or your parents? Would you want them to read it? Are you a bit ashamed of how it looks? Because that's not, that's not what you want. These examiners see hundreds of scripts a day. They want it to be neat. They want it to be easy to follow. So if you can make it like that, you're giving yourself another advantage. Neat handwriting is always important. Be as neat as possible. Um, obviously everyone has their own handwriting and sometimes it is very hard to keep it neat, but just Try your best. With equations, think vertical work. Let's take the Pythagorean theorem. So a squared equals b squared plus c squared. There are kind of three components to that equation. And when you're working down the page, if they, well, jump all over the place, like a squared is suddenly like off in the margins and then b squared is jumping to the other side. And if it's impossible to follow, then everyone will find it as such. Whereas if it kind of goes down in that vertical wave, you can see that equal sign kind of staying level and the things moving around it. Yeah. Think of the left-hand side as the left-hand side, the right-hand side as the right-hand side, and then move things around mm. there. I think setting out your exam paper really clearly is a great way to make a strong first impression on your examiner. I'm going to add a tip 11, which is leave space to make your corrections neatly. For essays, for example, you might want to leave a couple of lines at the bottom of each page so you can easily add in an extra point with an asterisk if you need to. Or for translations, you could use double line spacing so you can easily add or amend words later. Neat work doesn't only impress the examiner, it also helps you check what you've done, which is the topic of the next two tips. Tip 12 comes from Joe Heitner, our ace Latin teacher and tutor from episode 9, and he's sharing a great idea for how to find mistakes in translations, or any other exam really, where the accuracy of your writing is important. One thing particularly useful for translations is going back and when you're checking, not just running one overall check, uh, which is the default that I think that most students have, uh, but actually being disciplined enough to split your checking process into individual sub-checks. 
So you should go back and you should do one checks, just looking at noun endings. Um, so, you know, have I got my subjects and my objects the right, right way around? Just looking at verb endings, have I got my tenses right? And if you know that there's a particular tense that you often forget about, for a lot of students, it's the pluperfect. So they say Caesar jumped instead of Caesar had jumped, and they miss that it's just that one step back in the past. So if there's a particular tense that you know you personally often miss, Make sure you look for that tense and run an entire check just going through looking for that particular mistake. I mean, no one can carry everything, can check everything and carry all of those things in their head at one time. And especially uh, with a complicated language like Latin or Greek, where there's a lot of different things that could go wrong, it's better not to run that risk. And it's, if you are looking for a particular mistake, you are more likely to find it. Whereas if you're just thinking, mm, I just need to see if all of this is right, you probably fall into the same traps and be lulled into the same false sense of uh, security that you were the original time because you're not changing your mindset at all. You're just repeating what you've already done. So take it one step at a time. And if one of those steps is checking for spellings, here's Mr. Sales from episode five, our slightly awesome English teacher with tip 13. If you need to check your spellings, the easiest way to do that is to read the text backwards. And the reason for that is uh, your brain knows the text forwards and it will predict what the next word is and it will read it correctly even if it's totally misspelled. Uh, whereas if you read the text backwards, it makes no sense at all um, and so you'll instantly spot a spelling mistake. I'm going to leave you with a final tip, number 14, which is that when the exam is done, forget about it. No matter how well or badly it went, draw a line under it and move on. There's little to be gained at this moment anyway from dissecting what you got right or wrong with your friends. Your priority now is to take a brief rest to catch your breath, then get yourself ready for that next paper. Well, look, I hope you found today's episode very helpful. Uh, and as a reminder, you can find many more cool exam hacks and test-taking tactics in the book, Outsmart Your Exams, which I'm giving away for just a pound or a dollar on Amazon until June the 9th. So thanks again for tuning into this episode and I hope to catch you in the next one. Until then, very best of luck with those exams. Thanks for listening to the Exam Study Expert podcast. Remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review for our show in your podcast player.